Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Project FIA Goes PC. It's the 104th episode, 104. Uh, as always, I am your host, Rebel Zen, a.k.a. Danny Hale. Yeah, it's been three weeks. We were interrupted. We sort of basically had a crazy, hectic weekend. We did sit down and try to do the podcast a few times. Uh, we kept getting interrupted by life and things. Uh, all of the work's been done as far as the building stuff. We've now got to uh, assess the damage of equipping. Yes, furniture and as such. Uh, it's boring, but we've got to do it. So we're going to talk to our designer guys that are in my mind. Uh, there's a lot of them. There's a committee of designers in my mind. They're all very good. Uh, so I'm going to listen to at least three of them. Don't want to listen to the whole panel because it'll be like a sage meeting. No one needs that. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not alone. As always, our producer, Winifred, say hello. Hello. Is here. Uh, you've had a three-week holiday, haven't you? You've been... Uh, it's, it hasn't really been a holiday, but, uh, it's yeah. Been massive gap, massive it's, it's time out. It's been a out. break from podcast editing, but busy in other areas. Yeah, lots mm -hmm. of things have been going on. We, we always try and do, I don't know, superheroic work with this, mm -hmm. because we always try and do podcasts in very awkward situations, mostly tsunamis and uh typhoons earthquakes <laughs> you know that kind of thing and now that we're in the uk we don't really have a lot of that we have the odd rainstorm which is currently happening yeah it's, um, there's, it's actually like lightning and thunder lightning and thunder right we've both got metal helmets on uh we're just very we want to be kissed by lightning is no, what, what the term is um yeah uh basically we want this podcast to be shocking as mm -hmm. an experience mm -hmm. um but basically yeah we just over we were overconfident in what we could do um we had pretty much a massive building run here uh, that's all gone luckily uh we're now set to do our dastardly plans going forth but, next chapter yeah but it, we're not quite there yet we have to kit these things out so as i said with me and the designers in my head they have to reach an agreement it's like <laughs> a jury uh -huh. in my mind nothing can happen until it's um you have all the votes. Well, it's always that one nerdy guy that comes forward. <laughs> he's got more confidence than the rest of the nerdy guys. And he's the one that brings it forward to management, you right. see, uh, in my mind. That's okay. how my mind works. Okay. And he hasn't got the confidence yet. Uh. Yeah. But you can, I think if you're really careful, you probably hear the lightning that's going on, the thunderstorm Yeah. Uh, that's happening. We, we arranged hear it. Hear the thunder because, you know, you see lightning. I don't know. You can see lightning or hear thunder. Uh, it's it's uh, it's one of those interchangeables. It depends it what it isn't. It is. It depends what you're on, essentially. If you're okay. on vitamin C or D or E or F or G, does it go all the way to Z? The vitamins. I'm not sure. No. A Z vitamin would be pretty cool. I'm mm. sure. Sure, it should go that far. Uh, yes, that'd be interesting. Because then you can set your vitamin cabinet. Essentially in alphabetical order, order 100 <laughs> percent Yeah, see. But uh it's kind of a cheapskate that own goes to I think E, which is uh it's kind of lame. We I'm need to not work familiar with the vitamins. Need to work on more compounds vitamin people. 
I don't know what I'm talking about. I just about. eat food, and they contain vitamins. Occasionally. Sometimes it's been added, like <laughs> uh, soy milk and stuff. Mm. Always has, like, these proud signs saying, we've thrown tons of extra stuff into this. Uh, don't need to. It's unnecessary. Uh, but hey-ho. So, yeah, it's been three weeks. So a lot more has been going on in three weeks than our average two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually we will get back to regular programming it's just that it has been quite mental like you know basically due to lockdown a lot of stuff has been postponed or you can't get it and then it all sort of turns up at once yep so you get like one day where you're waiting for your amazon delivery so to speak and then nothing turns up and then when you don't want it to turn up it's all there and you've got like basically a fort outside your apartment (laughs) or house or tree house as in our case of boxes uh and you're kind of like wow it all came at once Mm -hmm. so we're in that kind of situation but uh we've done it all so that's good at least the the major work is done uh some sad news going into this podcast is one of my favorite ever comedians passed away sean lock oh yeah very sad to hear that he was not that old either no 58 yeah um he was an incredibly amazing dark comedian i think his best moments won panel shows like mm-hmm. eight out of ten cats yes and, does count down and eight out of ten cats does count down he was oh, on both of them yeah, um, that's right. qi things like this if you're in america or around the world and you don't know who sean Locke is just go on youtube you'll see a lot of uh, sort of tribute clips and and the best of moments he mm-hmm. was extremely funny guy very working class britain had a very funny dark humor he was like the uncle that you wish you had He's like the comedian's comedian. Like he made comedians laugh. Yeah. You know? It's just so Well, he, he outright stopped programs because <laughs> everyone was laughing so yeah. much. Um, but, you know, like mm. there's been a few other uh, untimely deaths. Mm. I'll just make note. Joey Jordison, who I've met a few times, a former drummer of Slipknot, passed away as well. Right. Uh, a lot of these things come at a time where we're focusing too much on them. But I think... My way of dealing with it, especially if you kind of know these people, if you spent a bit of time with them, just hours in my case, is to just remember who they were when they were here and yeah. how amazing they were and, and, you know, in the talents that they had. Joey Jordan, arguably one of the best drummers ever to live. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these things have happened. It's like three weeks and the Grim Reaper's been awfully busy. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, it's, it's sign of the times, folks. Uh, a lot of getting older essentially even if you're young you're gonna hear this throughout your life yeah. it's well, it's never easy to talk about but um it's life it is yeah. uh and the end of it mm-hmm. yeah mm. bizarre so uh yeah our thoughts are with families left behind of everyone who has passed uh be it celebrity or not it's never a nice thing to go through it's uh it is what it is but like i said remember the good stuff it's always important right now to keep the good stuff in mind. So moving on from passings and things, the other sort of news story that's really kicked off, and I just want to point this out, is the Afghanistan crisis in Kabul. Yes. Right Now, it's not our job to report this like news, but we all as people have an opinion on it. And so you want to kind of address it just in case anyone comments, which we try and avoid. As best we can. We are not a news channel, but... Well, it's kind of like opening the comments section up 
just as a courtesy. Sure. It's there. It's it, available. I, yeah. But please don't use it. <laughs> that's that's basically the underlining message. Uh, we're very proud of our supporters and fans. Mm. We know you're out there, all six of you, and we very much appreciate the fact that you don't comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably fear. Or it's because we have the only intelligent people left alive. <laughs> and I appreciate all of you uh, that don't comment. But the point is, this Afghanistan thing has come to pass. And mm-hmm. it's a case where I just wanted to point something out. Because a lot of people, I've realized, come to news quite late in this day and age. News itself, I would probably like to reclaim as its politics in a different label. Because yeah. it's not really news. News is like a guy walks his dog down the street and discovers a magazine that's news or this guy opened a shop today in the corner of this street you know that's news but mm. this is now basically anything political is our news yeah it's it's really not about news anymore that's mm. been a slow burn uh that a lot of people are starting to wake up to i think since this crisis or whatever but the afghanistan thing is almost i remember there was a clip not so long ago i think trump was still in power uh, so it was when we're all living in uh, classical America. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like a different time, doesn't it? So <laughs> a different period of era. Um, and basically within that time, there was a clip, very famous clip, where Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, who I've talked about before, had basically shook hands with the leader of the Taliban and reached an agreement. I think that's your kind of foreshadowing. So mm. I think there's a lot of people, and it's a very testifying sort of uh awakening time to politics but i think a lot of people have misplaced that clip i suggest you see that that clip is quite powerful to show that it doesn't matter who's really in charge mm. the the mission never changes yeah and i think they're always expecting this reaction and it's really the worst thing in all politics where governments suddenly act surprised oh we thought this would take <laughs> six weeks but it took two days yeah this whole diatribe is going to continue for far too long. It actually, as much as people think um, this is a bad thing, it's actually a good thing because it means that they're they're changing the focus of news, mm. right? Um, so we don't have to all concentrate on a doom and gloom in our own backyards. This is now the next doom and gloom that we can focus on someone else's backyard. But this whole situation, <laughs> I think, was obvious. Yeah. I think they kind of knew it. But in due respect, you know, if you go back to the reasons we were in Afghanistan, was there ever really a time we could have just left one night, Mm -hmm. like just run away without there being backlash? This whole situation, right, is quite a nightmarish scenario. But to me, it's kind of interesting because I feel we owe the Afghan people quite a lot. I think that's the rhetoric of the world. And it's almost interesting to me to see how the public in countries like the USA and even in the UK are rallying behind the Afghan people, which is kind of, you can see all of this as doom and gloom and, and you know, anti-government rhetoric or whatever, but it's actually kind of positive because, you know, there's been this argument of refugees and stuff like this uh, in Europe for ages, yeah. so long. Yeah. It's uh, it's really sad. Like we have the Syrian crisis with all this stuff, um, and now the Afghan people need a place to stay. Uh, there's a lot of debates and how that's going to work. None of this is interesting. What's interesting to me is I know why it's happening. 
It's nothing to do with what you think it is. It's not uh, regime changes. It's not fear. Right. Uh, basically, I don't know if you know this, but in Hollywood, uh, there's a, a series that Amazon's making called Lord of the Rings. Right. Okay, now Lord of the Rings in New Zealand is based because of obviously the film success, the uh, Peter Jackson, Jackson. films. Yes. Had a lot of success in New Zealand. They've still got all the uh, scenery up. The the sets are still around because New Zealand's made it its central city. So mm-hmm. uh, where Hobbit Hobbiton village is, <laughs> it's now a major city that works like Auckland in New Zealand. They mm. didn't have a city before. They made Lord no. of the Rings. <laughs> well, there was. No, 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 it wasn't. Um, and so basically what happened was is they were making season one of Lord of the Rings. Mm. And they realized, well, we can't keep doing it in New Zealand. We need to change it up because a lot of people in film these days, they like to travel. Yeah. So they thought, we'll bring it back to the UK because I think we'll save a bit of money uh, and we'll find a lot more extras. And that's really what's happening with the refugee situation is they need extras for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, it's, it's phase two of the series. They're, they're milking <laughs> their series out and they need a lot of ethnicity and things mm-hmm. like this. And uh, why not bring the world together in one place? Sure. Uh, that's as long why as everyone's coming here. We pretty much uh, to be a part of the Lord. It's of the literally Rings. that because that's why the numbers are so limited. Yeah. Because you know it's like the military, as you know, the mm. U.S. military especially do do a lot of casting calls for Hollywood films. <laughs> so one of the conditions they let you on the plane, it's uh-huh. kind of like the old days where you had nightclubs. Oh, sorry, pal, you're not good looking enough, and we need someone a bit more charismatic. <laughs> and that's how they're organizing all these refugees coming no. back. It's 100% what's going on because the news is, uh, it kind of links at the same time. All we got to do is read between the lines. Well, LAPD has a star on Hollywood Walk, so why not the military? Oh, the military's <laughs> going to get a star on Hollywood Walk. Uh, if not, uh, it probably already is submersively. I don't know. That, um, uh, that Ethan Hawke, I think, was a, a com- commander of a uh, Apache crew. I don't know, you know, it's, it's stuff, but that's what's going on. Mm. They needed to spice it up. And of course, we know uh, from the UK perspective, when they say filming in the UK, it's never England. Uh, yeah. It usually means Scotland or Wales. I think it'll be a hybrid of both. I yeah. think it's, it's very cool that Lord of Rings is going to be filmed where it was established. Mm. But it's not in entirely filmed where it's established because it was established in Birmingham. Right a lot here. Of people didn't really know that. Tolkien-based Middle Earth on the Midlands of he the UK. He was from the Midlands, right? I don't know if he was from here. I think he had a passing interest. He studied He felt in Oxford. sorry. He had a lot of sympathy for the folk <laughs> of the uh, Midlands okay. area. Um, but yeah, no, there's a whole thing. If you actually come to the UK, they do various historical tours. There's mm. a text Tolkien wrote um, kind of like an Nostradamus prediction book uh, about the reasons why he wrote Lord of the Rings oh. uh, it wasn't a prediction book that's an ad lib uh, uh, okay. he didn't say like in you know 50 years there'll be a crisis where we need refugees to play the roles <laughs> to cut the budget down but that's what's happening seriously. no it's true it's all factual mm. um, a lot more films have been filming in the UK but yeah I, I can see I can see that with you know the the mountains in Scotland and there's just some beautiful scenery up there that can match with Afghanistan you're correct yeah it's very similar no! uh, geography New Zealand if you need to film Afghanistan with Afghan people Scotland's a very good substitute apart from the weather's not great that's the only issue a lot of things have been filmed in Scotland some things have been filmed in Scotland. Uh, well, one of the original Lord of the Ring films was Monty Python Holy Grail. That was filmed in Scotland. Really? 
And that was part one of Lord of the Rings. What? Yeah, yeah. When the Knights of that say nee, uh, all of that chapter in, no, in Tolkien's great it's works. it's a different story. No, the same story. They, they are all running around trying to find an object. <laughs> Very similar story. Yeah. Uh, Eric Idle. The original Hobbit, the original uh, Hobbit. short guy, massive feet, you no. know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's John Cleese, the original Gandalf. <laughs> he was French in the Holy Grail, I, I believe. Um, but yes, no, it's uh, it, that's that's really what is happening. You know, I'm not one for conspiracies at all. Um, uh, but you know, it it makes a lot of logic. Some weird parallels there you just drew. Well, you know, I think uh, even the government needs to get involved in show business. Uh, they're on TV an awful lot. Mm. Uh, we have discussed the idea of reality TV shows based in Downing Street in the UK. But I think uh, all politicians secretly wish to have a Hollywood star. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> if they can cast direct, why not? Mm-hmm. It's a great use of the military. We know that the military has been used for a lot of things these days, like uh, vaccination rollout. Yeah. Uh, stunt work in films like uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Because obviously uh, you couldn't get regular stunt people uh, with all of the security protocols in place. Uh, there's actually been, legitimately, there's actually been stunt guys from the military in big films like Lord of the Rings. Uh, there was Chibi, Redcliffe, that came out of China that actually used soldiers mm. to, to make up the numbers yeah. quite a lot. Uh, if you want that epic battle sequence. That kind of makes sense, though. It really does. It's kind of a weird thing. Like, I think if you were actually joining an infantry troop in the military and your commanding officer turns up and goes, uh, yeah, well, today, guys, we're going to jump to... Uh, I don't know why he turned into a New Zealand in the minute <laughs> I said this. Today, guys, we're going to go to Auckland and uh, we're going to all uh, get involved <laughs> in a big battle scene. Some of you will be orcs <laughs> and some of you will be elves. Uh, so get in your teams, remember your flags, and off we go. You know, I mean, uh, you can see it. Training it, it. Well, I mean, that's the only way you can pass it because there's going to be a lot of people being like, "Do you understand taxpayers' money? We're paying for this." Oh yeah, it's a state-of-the-art training camp. Uh, we're going to reenact the uh, Battle of Middle Earth. You know, I mean, it happened. It's part of history, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's it's interesting. It's not too far a stretch in terms of acting either. No, no, no. It's not a big leap. And they, these, this is what these guys are trained with. I mean, you'd think that we'd, you know, got beyond bows and arrows and catapults. But realistically, most land wars go back to that medieval thing where you kind of meet in the early hours of the day on a horse, slap each other around the face with your gloves, <laughs> arrange everyone in infantry and cavalry. Uh, yeah, tanks are just subterfuge. None of them work. They're just there, you know. The actual oh, truth yeah. of the matter is, uh, you know, it's uh, it's like a, it's a medieval conflict still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you got to tell people the truth because people are going to be worried about all this stuff. But it's that's the reason it's happening, and there's a selective process, <laughs> and you want to help everyone. We do want to. You want to help everyone, mm -hmm. but there's not enough spots in the film. I mean, if you really think about it, you don't want the end credits to last. 12 years in a, a day you know if there's so many people in a project mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's it's encouraging it's encouraging because uh the the thing they're saying is this lord of rings proposition it's been on the cards for a while now we've mm. heard at least five or six years it's been planning i think when game of thrones ended yeah they needed to look for the next, the next game of thrones yeah. so obviously they did the precursor game of thrones that was like you know nearly 60 years prior 
uh, and and rebooted that, you know, which is all the rings. What? Yeah, that's right. It's just about a jewelry shop in in no. in, in Delaware. I heard that the the TV series is set thousands of years before the films. Well, that's that's really hard to imagine because obviously it was quite it was written quite a while ago. <laughs> um, when Tolkien was a, a university student at Oxford, mm-hmm. uh, it was written in that period, um, which was obviously already thousands of years ago. So to to, <laughs> no, to pre-establish, <laughs> that's almost so. It's about dinosaurs. That's what you're saying. No, well, so I mean, I it's mean... it's a prequel to the Lord of Rings about dinosaurs finding rings. Well, I mean, people in Lord of the Rings have longer lifespans, right? Because Gandalf is like, I don't know, 700 years old or something. Oh, it's really mean or... to say that. Ian McKellen's only in his 70s. <laughs> it's, that's very mean. Um, he looks young. He looks spry. He is spry. He's great. Mm-hmm. He uh, did really well in the Olympics recently. What? Yeah. He was in the Olympics. Yeah, timed uh, sonnets. He, he won gold. Yeah. Sonnets. Yeah, he's really good at that. That's what he does. Poetry is not in the Olympics. It should. Well, that would be a poetic Olympics. Mm-hmm. No one wants that. The poetry Olympics. No one needs it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. no, they definitely mm-hmm. don't. Uh, uh, anyway, I heard that... You they... need a license for poetry anyway, did you not? If you're going to be an uh, official authorized poet, you need a license. You need a license yeah. for poetry. Yeah, that's the poetic license of all of it. Uh, anyway, so moving on, Lord of Rings. Basically, it's Dragon Ball, but instead of balls, it's rings, right? Everyone's trying to find a ring, and when they find all the rings, no, big dragon turns up. Ring. There's loads of rings. In Dragon Ball, no, there's no, seven no. Balls. If you see the prop department, they've got at least seven <laughs> backups. No, 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 no. They're just there. <laughs> they only mention one. It's favoritism. But uh, it really is just about an old uh, jeweler, mm. and everyone craves his one ring. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's a jewelry ring. <laughs> I don't know what the talk, what we're talking about anymore. I was gonna say. So it's it's set thousands of years prior to the established story. Yes, and it's just the Hobbit. Um. Uh, yeah. Which came yeah. first? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bilbo won't be in it. There'll be no characters that you recognize unless you know the law. They were considering it, but most of them will be new characters. So why yeah. are they calling it Lord of Rings? Why don't they just call it I don't know. Middle Earth? The funky tales of. I don't know. They couldn't be creative enough, I guess. But anyway, they finished it's filming. Sell it, obviously. But it's not actually going to be out until like next year. So they have a whole year for post-production for all the editing and everything. Well, that's standard practice. One whole year. That's, it makes sense. I wonder how many episodes is going to be. It must be pretty long. A lot of hypotheticals. <laughs> the other thing, because there's a few things I've been watching. I've been noticing that Netflix is getting a bit darker, mm. obviously, but I've seen a few things on Netflix, a few things recently that I wanted to mention. But before I go into that, there's another hypothetical thing about to happen. Right. They're rebranding Superman. Because J.J. Abrams, a.k.a. Hollywood's answer to rebooting every major franchise that you've ever heard of, (laughs) uh, is now producing the new Superman. Superman. There's links to the guy who directed Black Panther Mm -hmm. as the director of this release 
or re-release or reboot or re-approach of Superman. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of speculation because of that association that this will be a black Superman. Mm. And I just wanted to say, because this is going to be controversial at some point, because there's a lot of comic book nerds that really believe that the comic books are some kind of gospel Mm. that we should just recreate in our cinematic experience. But I think that you shouldn't. I think that the comic should work as a blueprint and that your approach can be completely infinite. Yeah. Um, I will say this, there are actually within law of comic, black Superman. Mm-hmm. But I think that knowing J.J. Abrams and how daring he is, he's not that daring, to be honest. He's actually quite by the book in what he does. But he, he has a very good way of kind of modernizing something, but keeping a root. You know, it wasn't too successful in Star Wars, got to mm-hmm. be honest. A lot of people did not like it. But um, I actually think that you've got an opportunity here to do something really, really radical. Yeah. Because DC, just to be a nerd for a moment, DC wanted to compete directly with Marvel. Marvel has this very orchestrated and brilliant cinematic universe. I have discussed it. I'm not going to discuss who's better anymore because I've kind of established who is. But basically, their universe makes sense. The TV shows fit into the film world. It's one cinematic universe. DC, however, have 7,000 different universes, and they tried to arc everything together, and it didn't really work out. So Mm. they're now kind of soloing things off. Yeah. And it's all over the place, essentially. You know, we'll never get a Justice League 2 film. Um, The first one was so great that they had to remake it and add tons to it from B-roll and whatever um, Uh, to make it actually a good film. So that's how good that was. Uh, Wonder Woman's been doing pretty well, uh, the the first two at least. Aquaman's getting a sequel, but there's no transcendence anymore. So it almost seems like a worthwhile experiment now. Uh, Unworthwhile, I should state. Uh, It was a worthwhile at the start and now it's not. Right. Suicide Squad's being rebooted as a kind of mm-hmm. soft sequel. It to me, I've got to be honest, looks like Guardians of the Galaxy, but with DC characters and villains. Yeah. James Gunn is behind both, so it makes sense. But the Black Superman is a really refreshing because we've had the Joker being approached. We walked into his uh, you know, dressing room and said, hey, can we make a film about you? And he said, sure. He's going to play me. And they said, whacking Phoenix. It was like, finally, mm-hmm. someone that is respectable. Uh, <laughs> after Heath passed away, I, I haven't really had a lot of offers. That Jared guy, he, he went a bit too crazy with my character. Mm-hmm. Um, the Joker speaks like all the time to Hollywood. Really? Uh, yeah, they just enter his dressing room. you got to send the right guys because he's quite a lunatic. But um, anyway, so... <laughs> The the concept of doing all these individual things, which is where Superman could go, yeah, makes sense. I'm really excited about the pants and Batman. Mm. I'm really excited by it. I never thought I would be, yeah. but it looks like it's very reminiscent of The Crow. Uh, if you're old enough, like 650, you'll remember that film. Um, but there's something brilliant about the trailer. Mm. That is very exciting. But I, I like the fact that DC are kind of unashamedly now just doing whatever the hell works. Yeah. Uh, they've got some really almost brilliant films in their own right mind mm-hmm. with the Joker. Um, mm. I think the Batman will be reviewed like that. Yeah. But um, if they do that with Superman as a black Superman, I think they could do something fantastic with it if they go all out. I, I can imagine it being like Spike Lee's old works. Yeah. 
you know, like you could go back to literally black culture. One thing I don't want to happen is that they just impose a black guy into the world of Clark Kent and make him wear the Kansas City mm. boy that came from a farm because it's super controversial. Yeah. Firstly. They secondly, gotta adjust the context. Sure. Well, yeah. secondly, you kind of need culture because I think black America behind Superman could transcend the character yeah. like massively so it kind of works in the old argument miles morales mm. who's mexican black and the new spider-man mostly you've seen him yes into the spider-verse goes there but mostly you see him in the video game miles morales and it is incredible because you get way more culture from the character mm. it's way more passive because they've kept peter parker so it's just a generational thing and it's it's really well put together. Yeah. It also represents the area of Harlem or Brooklyn or any of these areas in New York now that are heavily ethnic anyway. Mm -hmm. It represents them better. Yeah, it's cool. It is really cool. They've done it in an incredible way, but that's what Marvel does. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry if you hate me, uh, mm. folks out there, but it's it's a fact there. It, it's really good to see it. Even if it's hypothetical, but I think that you could do something really magical with the mythology. Yeah. If you keep Clark Kent, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of what I said about James Bond being played by Idris Elba with Shaq when he was here. Yes. Urban Oracle. Yeah, we discussed that quite a while ago. Yeah, like you can do whatever you want with the character as long as the rebrand incorporates that you are rebranding it. Mm -hmm. I think the thing about, you know, if you've got a novel and a book is written... That's the character. And if you try and sort of turn Sherlock Holmes into like a Mexican guy running a taco stand, <laughs> you can do it, but you have to rebrand the whole thing. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't just change the person. The whole universe has to be reinterpreted. There's yes. a lot of books that do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lord of the Rings is about to do that. You, mm -hmm. you were just saying it with the whole, it's a thousand years before the actual yeah. canon, mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot of artistic license within these things. Yeah. And I have no issue with that, but I think you got to go full on with it. Because I actually think if you base Clark Kent, instead of being in the Kansas kind of field with the corn growing and his parents run a ranch or whatever, you could opt for him to kind of turn up in the hood. Mm. I mean, it does sound a little bit like a 90s parody film, <laughs> but I will say that there's just some really amazing things you could possibly do with that. Yeah. You know. Um, could be exciting could be very exciting mm. I think it's uh, worth keeping your eyes and ears open about that mm. the other thing that's on the horizon Marvel have done is a film that really kind of incorporates the current trend politically which is the Eternals who are like these godlike characters it's very Assassin's Creed as a narrative these godlike characters that live amongst folks that were part of our evolution, you could argue, but okay. can't interrupt in any of our thing. Basically, all the aliens that are being seen in Texas. These are <laughs> the Eternals, right? Okay. So when people say, what is this blip on my my old plane radar? It's actually Marvel just filming a movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, their CGI is so good, it convinces radi ra ra radiators? <laughs> it convinces radar <laughs> technology and satellites that it's a UFO, but it's actually just a Marvel film. You know that blip, the Tic Tac thing uh, that everyone talks about, what? mostly on podcasts? Yeah, the Tic Tac crafts that all of these military guys can't explain. They came on the radars oh, okay. of the planes. Everyone's talking about it from, from earlier last year. <laughs> okay. um, 
it's actually just the Marvel film mm. being made. Uh, like I said, CGI is extremely realistic these days. So Real realistic. time CGI. Well, it's so realistic it convinces you on most satellite feeds and radar that it's actually happening. Mm. You know why people have like a lot of drops on the internet and they think, you know, their media service has gone down in the area? It's because Thor's flown across that area no. when they were filming Thor. Yeah, it's true. And is he got that why our internet always drops? Yeah, yeah. Thor's, Thor, Thor's around. Um, and I mean, he's it's, around now because of the It's all the power but... they need to generate his CGI <laughs> uh, when he flies and stuff like this. Um, you know, the film industry is behind most of the conspiracies in the world, let's be honest. They create them too. <laughs> they do. The they films. do. Uh, through CGI and uh, special tech. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But it, it's called fiction, folks. Yeah. Don't wrap it up into facts. This film was based on true events. Only the true events had no guy <laughs> with supernatural powers uh, that we know of. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so it's a lot of stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about the Eternals because. Basically, it's weird. Like, there's a lot... I feel like Marvel may have done one mistake where they got the big-name brands out first, and now they're kind of doing all the eclectic, smaller, odd things. But the Eternals looks interesting. Well, that's the way to do it, though, because if they did all the small stuff first, it's a little bit like you can't guarantee the audience, right? Well, I was bored. What? <laughs> no. I switched off. legitimate question. My pilot light went off. <laughs> Uh, you mean if you launched a brand with all of the unknown stuff, yeah, it's possibly you were a faux that pas. They made a mistake doing all the big stuff first, but I think well, there's still a lot of big stuff on the horizon. Right. This is the this is it's kind of like Netflix programming, like I was saying, which is a good segue back into that. Uh, a lot of the big stuff is seasonal, like the way cinema is usually um, sort of scheduled. Mm -hmm. You get the seasonal kind of big movies in the summer. Of course, when there's a pandemic, you don't. But you get the big stuff traditionally in the summer. Yep. That's what happens. Yep. Everyone's going to the cinema a lot more because dates and whatever. Uh, I would imagine winter would be a smarter move to go to the cinema. Yeah. Because in the summer, you want to be they outside. Have some, they have winter releases too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the winter releases aren't the blockbusters. They tend to be seasonal. Mm. Maybe it's the winter Christmas film of that stuff. summer, which has got less and less about Christmas, yeah. actually. It's more, more tragic or horror, and, yeah. even. I think it's more romance It's a lot family. of horror stuff comes out at Christmas, <laughs> yeah. honestly, uh, which is saying a lot. <laughs> Atheism <laughs> is on the rise, everyone. So let's just throw out horror films at Christmas. But basically, um, they have a schedule. Yeah. And so you kind of have this sort of sense of logic to it. But of course, Netflix never had that. Yeah. And now it's starting to have that. Yeah. So it's almost like... The schedule of Netflix right now is very, not depressing, but there's a lot of kind of stuff, especially the UK one, because I've noticed that we now have charts. Mm. I don't believe anyone's watching the stuff that's on the like charts. Like top 10 this week. Yeah. Yeah. Not really a fan of that. But I think like, you know, it's mostly, like mostly what they're trying to push yeah. that no one's really interested. <laughs> like it makes you think it's in the top 10 because people are watching it. But it's more likely that it's their chart of top 10 telling well, you you certain, should watch this. Certain things make sense. Like Cobra Kai, when Netflix acquired that and that came out with a new series, it yeah. will be in the top 10 for more than a week. Yeah. 
but I think a lot of it's to propagate you to watch it mm-hmm. because they've they obviously spent a lot of money making these things yeah. and a lot of people aren't bothered by them. You could argue. Mm. I don't know. Whatever the reason that they have a top ten, whatever the reason, which is mostly advertisement, uh, you know, gotta make profit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the general rule. <laughs> um, but basically, whatever the reason, uh, I'm seeing a lull that I've never really uh, appointed. There's basically a, a period that's coming out, especially in the UK, because that's all I can say. I don't use uh, VPNs to check anyone's territorial Netflix because I'm not boring uh, or weird uh, or bored or weirdly bored. I'm not, not one of those things. Okay. So what I try and do is focus on what's actually happening in, in the UK reality. And what it is, is I've noticed there's a lot of classic stuff being re-released. A lot of old films. Yeah. A lot of uh, serial killer documentaries for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, reality shows, it's a lull because I know that Netflix is waiting for its next sort of big seasons of Lucifer and different things that are coming out, which is kind of what its driving forces. But there's an opportunity for me to see a few things that I haven't seen. One of them being Clint Eastwood's The Mule, which you watched with me. Yeah. Which... I, I here's the thing, right? A lot of people will probably, um, young people especially, probably not know the significance of who Clint Eastwood is. Mm-hmm. But Clint Eastwood, when I was a kid, but even like when I was a kid, basically we had a re-release, uh, probably when I was around eight years old, of a lot of his kind of Western movies, mm-hmm. which he was super famous for. Yeah. And he had two major franchises, which is pretty much any Western film he was a part of, and the Dirty Harry series, which he was a cop that kind of essentially would have been arrested for being an abusive cop right now. Uh, (laughs) Back then, it didn't really matter. (laughs) It was cool to Mm -hmm. be that kind of guy. Now it's controversial, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically, he has had an incredible career. Yeah. As an actor, as a writer, as a director, he's had an incredible career. Also, was the mayor of uh, Californian town for a wee while. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carmel. Yeah. I think where they made the bridges of Madison County was where he was actually a mayor. Right. Um, anyway, an amazing career. Yeah. And when you see a Clint Eastwood film, it's kind of like, and it sounds stupid, this does, but it, a lot of people will understand this sentiment. But if you ever watch wrestling... And an old guy comes back and they're still in decent enough shape. It's kind of a tragedy when they come back and they're like <laughs> really old. Yeah. <laughs> they can't function. But when one of these stars you grew up with, it's that kind of nostalgia. With Clint Eastwood, it's a bit more special because he has never been bad. His form has never dipped. Mm. And it's amazing to me how he can look at himself and, and sort of parody his own career yeah. in his roles. Yeah. But The Mule was an incredible film. Oh, it was really, really great. He He's done sort of, it's really great when he directs, but it's always extra special when he's in the film he directs. Mm-hmm. And I think Gran Torino was a film that he did a while back, which was incredible too. That's one of my favorite Sure, films. The Mule was almost, I felt, like a distant cousin of that. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it was the same world, but a later decades or something <laughs> like this. Um it was a really good film. Mm. I think everything you needed was there. And it was making quite the statement, but also being true to the narrative of what I would call reality. Mm. It was politically correct in a certain way, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there was tongue-in-cheek nods to how it wasn't. You know, it was almost like his character was Bill Burr, 
to me at times where it's just belligerent and yeah. winding people up, you know. But it's a great film. It was really, really good. And I enjoyed that. We're not going to say too much about the content because, you know, spoilers. Just watch it. It's quite, it's quite self-explanatory as a content. Uh, it's about a donkey. Uh, <laughs> Uh, about a well, it's called the mule. Right? It is and called the it's, mule. It's about a donkey uh, <laughs> and life that happens around donkey. You see, uh, it's very good. I think he works particularly well with animals. Clint Eastwood. He's always <laughs> had a good career with that uh, orangutans and the such back in the uh, the eighties and nineties. <sighs> Uh, but yeah, he's got a film on the horizon called Cry Macho, which is again another sort of film with him in in the lead. I think it's really cool. There's people that might be complaining because he's so old or whatever. Well, he's fitting in as much as he can, right? Well, How old is he? I'm just t- well, he's in his is 91. But yeah. the the point that I'm trying to say is like the kids today they they need to know what a gift it is. Mm-hmm. Because we're all going to get there. Yeah. And I, what, what I'm going to be honest is like when you see a 91 year old commanding a lead role as well as Clint Eastwood, yeah. there's hope yeah. for so many people to have a long career in Hollywood. Yeah. That's what you should be focusing on. Mm. Um, his son, Scott Eastwood, is on the rise. He has his, his career isn't even a parallel to his father, mm. but he is a great actor in his own right. It's, it's it's an incredible story. His yeah. dad's an icon. It's kind of like watching Elvis Presley doing stuff still. And he does, obviously. He's still alive. Uh, no, Elvis. Elvis. Subterfuge with no. the whole toilet death. And he's really out there still. That's a conspiracy uh, theory. No, 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 no. It's a reality. Uh, he works at uh, Taco Bell. In Hollywood? No, not in Hollywood. That would be too obvious. <laughs> no, he works at Taco Bell in uh, a region of Oregon. Okay. <laughs> a region of Oregon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he works in the Oregano region of Oregon. Uh, they're, they're famous for the the Oregano plant, uh, which is also an herb. Uh, herb. 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 Who came up with the word herb? Mm. A guy called Herb? Herb. Herb and his friend Spice, who <laughs> named all these things. Most of us called them weeds until Herb and Spice got yeah. involved. Yeah, they were weeds at one point in history. And I wonder if Spice was the lover of Herb. Because as mm. you know, all Spice are girls. <laughs> all, all Spice. All I'm saying. The spice when did we go here? This is so <laughs> randomly a tangent. The other thing I've been watching on Netflix, getting back to that, uh, is Master of the Universe, which Kevin Smith brought back what is masters of the universe so i mean we're in a room in a tree house mm-hmm. and i'm gonna say this is a plug and i've got two iconic old toys of masters of the universe in the same room as you and you're asking me what masters of the universe you, oh, you haven't noticed the big boxes and stuff and to give context to our viewers why would i who look at viewing anything, our, our, our audience our listeners i should say our viewers <laughs> You're viewing a black screen. What's the matter with you? Um, our audience, my friend Dave from Liverpool, my lifelong friend, I love him to pieces. He's like my little brother. I'm only a year older than him, so he's not that little. Uh, but I feel protective. I've got a complex. <laughs> anyway, his son, who's growing up in this amazing world of ours right now, uh, Jonah, just a big shout out. I think Dave and me get excited when nostalgia comes back, mm. like anyone our generation would. And in the 80s, all kids talked about globally, uh, apart from 
when I say globally, I'm talking mostly Europe and America. Yeah, um, the Western yeah, world. Yeah, I've got that kind of ignorance going on. <laughs> the global two continents of the Western Hemisphere, uh, if that even makes sense, because that sounds like a weather forecast, <laughs> had this program called He-Man, Masters of the Universe, which was a huge thing. And right. we all dressed up like the characters and we all had the toys and it was a big, big thing. In the 80s especially, there was a huge boom one toy after another toy after another toy. There's so much innovation in TV cartoons and stuff mm. like this in that era. And Masters of the Universe, for anyone raised in the 80s, was a huge deal. And mm. there's always been this kind of nostalgic sort of toy selling uh, of all these toys, collectors, almost like antiques, which is kind of a little bit arrogant, I think, because it's not that long ago. If this was a <laughs> yeah. thing from the 1920s, I'd understand it, but it's really not, yeah, it, you know, yeah. we're not that old, folks. I mean, we're older than most buildings in the USA, but, you know, we're not that old. <laughs> so when you um, have the story, Dave and I were talking, and we both noticed that this rebranding of Masters of the Universe was coming out. Mm. And I said to him, you know, I've still got my stuff. And, of course, when you move home, your mom in British tradition, gets all of your stuff and throws it into a lake. Basically, no. yeah, you're, you've left the you've left the nest now. So, you know, we, we, we loved you while you were here. <laughs> but the minute you're gone, we want to get that smell and anything that's oh. anything to do with you out of our house. So they get all of your stuff, whatever's left, and they just chuck it in the lake or uh, put it on a bonfire, whatever no. it is. Because they want to deny all knowledge of your existence. I at this still point. have some pieces of art from primary school. Yeah, but you're not school. from here, is what I'm saying. <laughs> your a, parents keep I know, everything. I know, but that's such a shame. To not well, it's just how it is, British kids. tradition. We don't want to have kids anymore. Like, don't keep everything. Like, ha- keep it's tokens. basically uh, having kids in the UK is like running a hotel. You're only a guest <laughs> while horrible. you pay in. <laughs> and the way kids in England uh, pay in. Not Scotland and Wales, they're different. Northern Ireland, Ireland, they're different. different. Culture. <laughs> English kids, okay, they pay their rent by being. I don't want to say child workers because there's <laughs> a lot of bad press on that. But we are essentially the workforce of our. You know, I was out in the fields mm. at an early age, not for no reason. They just put me in a field. <laughs> uh, Dave was obviously cobbling shoes for his local <laughs> neighborhood. So you know, mm. this is just uh, British tradition. It's eased up now. We're a lot more uh, politically correct uh, now. Kids go to school and things like this. But back in the eighties, we didn't have schools. They weren't even a thing back then. I'm sure you've heard the stories uh, of how we were all treated. You know, Oliver Twist was set in the 80s. So, of course, no. you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you was can. like Victorian or No, no, no. It was, it was the 80s. Well, that was the 80s. So, um, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, I said to Dave, look, I'm going to keep these for Jonah. Yeah, Because if you watch the show and it's really successful and he gets well incorporated into all of the stuff. Mm. I'll save you what I protected for my dastardly folks who wanted to throw it into a lake of fire. I saved it, you see, mm-hmm. uh, just in time. Because they literally, I, I remember off that phone call, I said, I think I've still got my stuff. Mm. And I phoned my mom and she literally had it dangling over a volcano. <laughs> she was on a fishing rod. <laughs> and she showed me the pictures and she was like, you were lucky that you phoned me because uh, this was about to be incinerated. So I've kept it. And I because of this watch the trailer i think we saw the trailer and try to promise greatness mm. try to promise greatness it was very close to the original only if you actually check the original cartoons uh they're pretty bad mm-hmm. by current standards yeah 
acting's pretty bad. It sounds like everything was recorded on a dictaphone. Uh, the you know the audio mix was aces, so right, it was right. it's pretty it was pretty worn. Anyway, uh, Kevin Smith, who is famous and infamous for being a director of film. Um, he's got his own kind of universe. A lot of it's uh, kind of toilet humor comedy. Mm. Uh, it's it's all right. It's it, you know people like it. Um, but he is behind the rebranding of this. Right. Now Kevin Smith is actively involved in comic books. Writes a lot of comic books for Marvel and DC. And yeah. I think he's done both. But he's also an aficionado because he actually launched his own comic store at the height of his original fame mm. so that's been working money in new jersey for him mm-hmm. forever so he's he's not new to this this is who he is he's a comic book nerd so you might know him as a director but really kevin smith's always been a comic book yeah, nerd. he's that heart. dude in the simpsons yeah that's who he is right it just directs to try <laughs> and look cool um and he wouldn't mind me saying that i'm sure but he is behind the rebrand now I watched it. I watched the whole thing. It's basically an odd thing because I've done part one, pause, and they're releasing part two at some point. Mm. And there's been a lot of controversy because the title character in it is He-Man. There's always He-Man, the Masters of the Universe. That's how it was told when we were kids. However, his version is Master Universe, and there's no He-Man attached to it. So that should offer you a clue as to what happens. And I'm not going to spoil it for anyone because there's a few folks, probably Dave included, that hasn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. But I am going to say there's a few bits that made me smack my head really hard on the floor um, <laughs> just in rage. Okay. But there's a few bits that I actually thought I can see where they're going with this. Uh-huh. There is a few th- sort of footnotes that I wanted to sort of say. Mark Hamill is the voice of Skeletal, which is actually incredible mm. that's kind of like saying back in the day uh thundercats another brilliant series uh the main character was voiced by uh i don't know ian mckellen yeah that would be fantastic yeah. why isn't that a good thing mark hamill as you know is america's ian mckellen uh is they're it? both the same yeah think about it they're separated by a decade or two okay but mark hamill as luke skywalker mm-hmm. is america's gandalf Mm. of lord of rings think it's the same character mm. <laughs> both heavily involved in drugs uh, both what? talk to midgets as characters not no. the actors they're acting the what? characters are they're both invested in drugs uh, quite a lot they're hallucinating a lot uh when they die they don't die they come back uh you know with extra mojo uh they've both got illegitimate children all over scattered around the oh, universe i'm sure what? i'm sure i'm sure that was in lord of rings i'm sure it was so anyway, maybe um, it's going to be in the prequel. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe Gandalf Junior will be in it, and he's only a kid. Uh, or the original Gandalf, uh, Gandolfini, I think his name was. Uh, he was Italian. It's a whole thing. Um, but basically, Mark Hamill's the voice. Now, Mark Hamill does an extraordinarily good voice for the Joker. Mm-hmm. He's famously done that. Yeah. Opposite Kevin Conroy's Batman. Right. It's, it's a huge thing. And they did the video games together on the PlayStation, the exclusive. I think they were exclusive, or not now exclusive. Everyone's got them. <laughs> Basically, the Arkham games, outstanding. And Skeletor is literally, I feel like his interpretation of Skeletor is literally the same thing, okay? But they've kept the integrity of everything exactly how I remember it in the 80s. Mm. I've got a photographic memory, folks, so I remember the 80s vividly. That's why I told you about 
cobbling shoes and it was Victorian England. Um, <laughs> what? It was. It was exactly the same. Well, I wasn't Victorian here. England was based on the 80s. Everyone knows this. So um, it was kind of like it wasn't a stretch. Like it kind of felt to me like Skeletor was the Joker. Okay. In it. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar does the, the voice of Teela. Oh. And that's actually incredibly well fitted. But mm. it's a bit odd hearing Buffett the Vampire Slayer in a cartoon. Yeah. Because that's all I kept thinking. Uh, Man at Arms, who people will understand, otherwise known as Duncan, your cousin, he's actually a character in Masters of the Universe, your cousin Duncan. What? Uh, he's voiced by, not Duncan, because Duncan was unavailable, he's voiced by one of the main guys in Game of Thrones. Okay. So it's quite an interesting wow, that's a... blend. Yeah. A lot of... The voice acting is done by really, really profound talent. Yeah. The, the script, however, cast. is bad. Okay. <laughs> but, like, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I haven't yet seen a Western animation mm. with a good script. Mm-hmm. Except for Disney stuff. Disney stuff. Yeah. That that's all time classic. Yeah, yeah. It's a different Disney thing. does it well. But when I'm talking like any kind of attempts to be like Japan, mm-hmm. like which is blatantly obvious what everyone's trying to be like, yeah. it never really works. And that could be Avatar, Legend of Korra, all of these things. They're always tongue in cheek gross to me. Mm. And I have a theory that the reason all of this is happening is going back to that age old argument where no one in the West does any of the research in the context of the Asian equivalent. And it's not the same. There is always this undivided cartoons are for kids mentality we have in in the West. Yeah. But Japan never really had that. Mm -hmm. It's just an easier way to do more elaborate ideas Mm -hmm. without having to fund them. That's basically why it's a prime all ages medium. But Kevin Smith, I believe was very authentic to the original comic and the original cartoon. Okay. Very much so. I don't think there's any debate. It felt literally like the 80s had stopped and he just pressed play on the 80s again. Only the text better, that drives better. It's an incredible hard thing to achieve what he did mm. because when things are nostalgic, you remember them being glorious. Then yeah, you go yeah. back to seeing them and they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. But what he did was he restored it the way we remembered it. Mm. and made it as good as the imagination that we have. So when you watch Ghostbusters classically, Mm. there and then, it's a, a, you've never seen it before, it's brilliant. We see it now, it looks dated, really dated. If you release Ghostbusters now and it looked how you remembered it, that's what he's done with Masters of the Universe. He's really done that. Mm. I think the controversy is because he took the story and in principle turned it into a story. And originally it wasn't a story. Like the original cartoon had a loose canon, but it was all over the place. Okay. Every episode was like, we're going to find a dinosaur today. <laughs> you know, like Scooby-Doo uh, back in episodic, the day. Episodic, yeah. Yeah, there was Boring. a kind of overall theme, but it was very, I'll get you next time. You know, it was, <laughs> it was kind of yeah. a little terrible. He's actually done a story. And oh. a lot of people are like, well, this isn't right. <laughs> Trust me, the alternative is worse. Yeah, a lot of the right. people who are trying to preserve their memory are disillusioned. Because if you go back to that memory, it's pretty terrible. Okay. So I'm just giving props <laughs> to what Kevin Smith's heart was in the series. The direction it goes is the controversy. The script 
I think they need... Because it's rated, I think, 15 or 12. It's not for young kids anymore. Okay. But I feel... Because, like, you know, PC, you can have action and stuff without over-certifying mm. on Netflix, I guess, because of complaints. Mm. But I think that they need to develop the script a little bit better so it's a little less cheesy. Um, there's some really funny moments in it, like legitimately, deliberately funny moments, but... That was always part of it. I just think there's something special in it. And I think the people that are just writing it off, see the second part and then we'll we'll talk again. Yeah. I think it's worth watching. Okay. It, I, I do think it really is like you pause the 80s and then you press play. Um, to me, it came off like that. And there's a lot of heart behind the production of it because a lot of it is from people around that time who were really obsessed <laughs> with it. So you kind of understand there's a lot of heart in this, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. But they did the, the one thing, and this is really my closing point. Cause I haven't seen much beyond, uh, really dark stuff on Netflix. So I watched a program on about, uh, darkness. It was literally called, uh, the lights are off and uh, it was just a whole film what? filmed in the dark. And there's not a lot to talk about in that. That's not they film. didn't even speak. And it was literally just a blank. Were screen. you just asleep? No, no. Um, the TV was off. It could have been that. <laughs> But basically, I just want to finish my Master Universe thing. One thing I will say is a kind of stipulation uh, or disclaimer, if you will. There is an accompanying really horrible documentary they did where it's obviously uh, we're in the pandemic. So everyone's on a Zoom call with each other. And it's right. like, hey, why did you do the minute? And it's like this super bad, yeah. cheesy, almost dated because I think Mattel who are the toy manufacturers, they hold yeah. the license of He-Man, are trying to launch their own network from this, like Marvel style. Um, so they had Kevin Smith, Sally Soul to do this show with them mm. where they're interviewing all the cast and stuff. And the way they kind of almost go into far too much emotional context for a cartoon like this was really bad. So if you do watch it, don't watch that because I think that will make you hate the series. Pass on the documentary. Yeah, then. it's sad because it's almost like you know, way back when you were like, um, got Disney adverts and they're all selling you stuff and it's really kind of too much. Mm. This toy will blow your mind. All your friends will love to do. And then you get the toy and it does nothing. It's just a toy. Yeah. yeah you know, this yeah. castle has magic beams firing magic blur. And then you get it. It's just a castle. It doesn't mm. do anything. Okay. It's kind of like that in context. I thought that was sad. They didn't need to do it. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff to check out. Um, you know, good stuff. I think it'd be interesting if, uh, well, well, we'll try and get Dave on at some point when he picks up all of this stuff and we'll talk about it yeah. as a whole episode dedicated to He-Man Masters Universe. <laughs> okay. uh, it would be fantastic. I might uh, have to watch, otherwise I'll have nothing to no, no, you, It's best that you don't <laughs> okay. watch it uh, because then you'll be like... I'll ask the what stupid are these, questions. Why was this even a thing, you'll be saying? You'll be like, why did people even like this? It sounds ridiculous. And why are they running at them like angry mobs trying to defend this ridiculous thing? You, that'll be what you pretty much say. Because okay. it is... Uh, and this is a closing thought of the, the week. We are going to go back to regular two-week intervals. The other reason, I will say this before my final point, but the other reason we had to pause is because my cousins are coming up. Uh, and we would have had to record with them here and they're not ready for that yet uh, then they're just not prepared enough uh you we're know, not going to ambush them the amount of preparation we do for this podcast in nanoseconds uh would intimidate them uh so we we thought we'd give them a whole weekend with us without 
having to uh, bribe them into work. <laughs> um, anyway, so my final point of all of this stuff was a lot of the things people are so radically defending, be it a comic book film or something from nostalgia that they're radically, you know, defending. Like, oh, you can't, you can't do anything new with this. A bit like Superman coming mm. out and stuff like this. Is um, why? Why have the? Because I, I, I will always understand the context of this character is written in canon, like James Bond, Sherlock Holmes, a novel, Harry Potter, something like this, to be exactly what the book makes them. Mm. But in a comic book world, the, the rules are very loose anyway. Mm. People re-approach and readdress and stuff. Like the original Batman well, that was created would be a terrible movie. <laughs> it's terrible. All the um, detective comic format of Batman is horrendous. It was only cool when Frank Miller redesigned it. And he redesigned everything. The mm. Dark Knight stuff. Yeah, That's when it became cool. So anyone who's going to justify, you know, comic book lore or anything like this, if you see the original and then see what it evolved to, the evolution is always integral. That's an interesting separation between it's different to, literary yeah. work. Because novels, yeah. if you rewrote Sherlock Holmes and you're not uh, Conan Doyle, right, mm -hmm. you're not going to do this classic piece of amazing literature. You're going to try and sound yeah. classic, but be modern. Which like is terrible. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Well, sort of. <laughs> that, that That's kind of like adding another flavor to... That's, that's clever in a sense. That's, that's almost like, plagiarism. I but think. it's also finding undertones in a narrative and keeping a narrative but adding a context. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But he did advertise it as a kind of scrub out Jane Austen and put his own name over it. Yeah. There was a bit of tongue-in-cheek in that. Yeah. But if you did Sherlock Holmes, like they're doing that whole young niece of Sherlock Holmes or whatever it is, Enola Holmes. Enola, yeah. Yes. That's the way you do it. Yeah. Because you incorporate characters into a new fiction. Yeah. That's the way you do it. That was actually a, a book. Of course. Book. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But that's how you do it. Mm. But you don't reapproach Like, if you suddenly made Sherlock Holmes a Jamaican yeah. in Kingston, yeah. you got to try and figure out how you're going to make that happen. How? Why would he be called Sherlock Holmes? It's such a Well, because he was named for... after the character of the, the No, I know. But like if he was Jamaican, um, we're, we're writing a book here. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> Japan, Sherlock Holmes. Japan has done that. <laughs> Japan has done that with Detective Conan, all these different yeah, yeah. characters. It has done that. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is with Superman, because it's comic book or is never novel. And it was never novels are, to me are your blueprint for the character. They, they literally give description. They're set in stone. Comics, they don't have description, they're drawn. So it's the artistic representation of what mm. the writer's saying. Mm -hmm. Like, and often a comic book writer's like, yeah, so I got this guy called Clark Kent. Yeah, he's raised on the farm. Yeah, he's got, he's an alien. He's got superpowers. You know, it's basically a story you hear out of Texas every weekend. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, what's he look like? Oh, I don't care. Do you usually see him? I haven't even given it any context. He's just an alien. <laughs> Do you want him to look like an alien? No, he's got to pass as human. He's only an alien when he takes his face off and then he's gone like a xenomorph. What's the xenomorph? Ask H.R. Geiger. That, that's, you know, so the artist has to come up with a thing and therefore there's no strict law. So that's what I'm saying. You can interpret comics almost any way you want. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I'm, I'm really excited about what Abrams and uh, I can't, I'm really stupid, didn't even read the guy's name who directed Black Panther. Mm. Someone out there is going to know. They could comment, they won't, because our in audience is intelligent. And that's really 
what I want to say. Mm. Um, don't defend stupid things because what you're really defending is ludicrous. You're defending fiction. Well, no, it has to be exactly as I saw it as a child. You cannot evolve. It's already evolved 700,000 times. This is my point, you know. And if you're looking at something like Masters of the Universe, which died, it faded away because people grew out of it kind of a deal. To bring it back and hold its nostalgia and be true to the source, which all of it was, why are you having an argument about if it's good or bad? Just enjoy it for what it is. I don't know. That's my thoughts. We're moving on. We'll see you in two weeks. Uh, loads of things that got political there. I'm not sure why. But that's how it is when you're raised in Victorian England. Uh, as I was. 1980s, folks. Look it up. We'll be back in two weeks. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.